Welcome to Mindful Social, the show that intersects mindfulness and emotional intelligence with the hectic online world we live in today. Welcome everybody to Mindful Social. This week I've got Molly Cantrell Treg, and she's written a really cool book called Circuit Train Your Brain. I think you're going to love it, and I think you're going to love her because she's been through amazing transformations in her life, and this book. It's, it's really written in a way that anybody can digest it. Anybody can pick it up and go, oh, that applies to me. So welcome, Molly. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Janet. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today and to, and to have this chat. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It should be. Absolutely. <laughs> so why don't you give us a little bit of background on how you got to writing this book? Okay. Well, Circuit Train Your Brain was something that was always part of the way that I operated, but I didn't ever think that it would be something that I would need to put down on paper because I just lived it. Um, I, I'd been through a couple different things over my the course of my life, as everyone has. Everyone's had uh, breakups or lost a job. I've been divorced. I've lost a job. I've, I've had uh, some in instances where I've had uh, really big betrayals and there are these times in your life where you're just really leveled. And uh, each time I was able to get up and uh, pick up the pieces of whatever rubble happened to be around and with the help of friends and my own ability and, and willingness to start up again, I was able to uh, reroute my life and, and to build that resilience. And so um, I'm not sure, you know, we can talk all the way back to, you know, teenage years to, um, you know, my, my last experience with an organization, but you know, wherever you want to start, I will answer and we'll just <laughs> go from there. But I know what it's like to be uh, a real big loser. I know what it's like to feel like you are a big old loser mm. and been able to look at myself and to uh, get myself out of that. That's, That's really amazing. And it takes a lot of strength and a lot of personal integrity, I think, to get through all of that and, and come out feeling okay. Yeah. Not smelling like a rose necessarily, but feeling okay. You know, sometimes you don't have to smell like a rose because roses start in manure and dirt. Uh, so sometimes you got to just kind of sit there and <laughs> marinate for a second and realize, wait a second, what's, what's something I can use from this situation to, to flower and to bloom. Mm. I love that. Over again. As you'll mm. find out if you read the book or when you read the book, you've already read the book. We've talked about that. So yeah. Anyway, you guys are going to want to read the book, trust me. So one of the things that you talk about was your art teacher and how she inspired you so much and kind of where that roller coaster went, because it wasn't just an all beautiful, uphill, smooth ride, was it? No, uh, I grew up in a really small town and uh, really small, as in my uh, high school speech teacher had taught my mother. And so she would actually wow. call me my mother's name and I'd say, Mrs. Fair, my name is Molly. And she'd say, I know Linda, have a seat. And I'm just like, you know what? As long as my grade's accurate, I, I really don't care. That's super duper, that's great. But I had another art teacher in high school who uh, was able to really recognize some talent that I had. And she was there to create a, uh, an open curricula for two years, which was something that was not offered to any other student. So I had this 
very special feeling uh, as a teenager and wow, you're exceptional and wow, you've got opportunities and I worked on mm -hmm. some things and she submitted my, my uh, portfolio to a large, uh, a large uh, college in a huge metropolitan area and I was able to go up for this juried exhibition. And uh, so I go in there and I just, I feel like on the one hand, it was the weirdest feeling I've ever had ever felt up to that point because I'm coming from a town of 2000 to a city of over 3 million. So a mm. city that's bigger than the state I grew up in for, for some sort of reference. And um, the, there's this feeling in me right immediately was on the one hand, it was a relief because it was, it was very reassuring to see other people who resembled me, who were artistic, who dressed in black and all these other really neat reaffirming types of things, because you can kind of feel like a, a, a sore thumb in a small town if you're a weirdo and people don't quite understand what you're doing or how you feel, or how you think. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, I saw all of these talented people whose work was leagues beyond my own. It was just breathtaking how skilled they were. And I felt what we now call imposter syndrome. And I just would say, oh man, I am totally not supposed to be here. I'm in the wrong space. I think my teacher completely has messed something up. And so I trundled on through and I went up to the first jurist and he looks at my work and he kind of flips through it and looks at me with his little eyeballs over his glasses. And he just says, this is the most puerile stuff I've ever seen. There's nothing of interest in your work. And immediately, this is the first person who's, who's seen me at this thing. Wow. And I just, I, my, I thought I was just going to lose it. I was just absolutely stupefied. And my stomach starts churning and my knees start knocking and I want to start crying. And I just sort of fold up my stuff and I stumble down to the next few jurors. And I, I finally had uh, one of the jurors looked at my stuff and he says, oh, this is really interesting work here. I love this expression or, you know, something blah, blah, blah. I honestly don't remember what he said verbatim because I was still reeling about being called the fraud. Mm. Um, and that was what my head was screaming. You're a fraud. You've been recognized as an, an idiot and you don't belong here. And so I, I did. I left and I threw up in a bathroom nearby and oh. I went back to my little teeny town and thought, oh, you're done. You're not supposed to be in the, in the rare air. You're, you're actually are a loser. And you are just an idiot for trying to be more than you are. And so I just packed up my little dreams and, and thought, you know, someone else will save me. You know, I'm, I'm cute and I'm smart and, you know, I can be the, somebody's, you know, plus one for the rest of my life. That's, that's probably where I'm supposed to be. I'm mm. not supposed to shine on my own. So that's what happened early on. It was really- I'm just second banana. Ugh, it really leveled me. I really I bet. did. I felt, and, and the thing at the time was I was getting these, these uh, um, recruitment things from Parsons uh, School of Design, which is a prestigious school. Mm -hmm. And um, when I look in retrospect as an adult, I can see things in so much different relief, you know, hindsight being what it is. Um, you know, here's this hit from the sticks. Uh, I'm quite sure for a child of a single mother, I probably would have gotten a full scholarship. I mean, this is all conjecture, but I mean, and I also look back at that juror. Maybe he had a really crap-o day that day. Maybe someone threw coffee on him on the train or who knows. But right. I do know what I did take away from that uh, that I, I, I built upon was the amazing impact and power that words have to either level somebody or to build them up. And so from that time on, I've been extremely conscious, conscious of the words I use 
and why they're used and to whom I speak. And because I know that words do wield power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And somebody in a power position like that, you know, there's all kinds of conjecture that we could bring to the conversation about why he was the way he was or how he could have done it differently. And especially how old were you at the time? 17. <laughs> oh, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah, I think how many kids have had their hearts broken and, and ended up being, you know, in a dead end job because they were stuck in that place forever after that. And, you know, I mean, we can still do it to other adults as well, but for kids at that age, it's so hard. So hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did you bounce back from that? How did you, you went home, you felt like crap. Then I what? Didn't. It took me, it took me 10 years actually wow. to bounce back from that. So just to give some scale, um, I did, I believed I wasn't worthy. I accepted a lot of uh, treatment that wasn't uh, in my best interests. I ended up having a daughter out of wedlock and uh, living with my mom and going back to college and she was four months old when I went back to school. And what I did was I, I knew that I'd always wanted to be in advertising and marketing, creative communications has always been where my, my area of focus has been. And so what I did was when I had my eldest daughter, I looked at my available opportunities. And this is some of the stuff that you'll see in the book, because everything in that book is, has been an outgrowth of a lesson that I've, I've learned, incorporated and grown from. And I've, I've built the tools into the book that I physically and, and mentally and spiritually used to pivot myself, to get myself unstuck. I don't know whatever the term you want to use, but um, you know, sometimes we feel as though we've got to change our life immediately and you can't, sometimes you can, I suppose mutation is a thing and things <laughs> yeah. can happen instantly. It's possible, but more often than not, it's uh, the climbing out of the valley takes days, weeks, months, years. What I did was I looked at my available options. I'm a single mom. I'm living with my mom in a farmhouse. Um, I have the opportunity to have the government pay for my schooling. What would be the nearest thing to an advertising career that's available to me, given these parameters that I have? And for me, it happened to be being a uh, journalism student because mm. journalism provided me the opportunity to learn how to use computers for design. And it also allowed me to fuse my uh, ability to write and communicate in a way that would serve me in multiple capacities. So I basically, I had a daughter, I went to school as a single mom, and then I grew into working for newspapers. And then I, you know, you just kind of keep building. And that's what I did. But it took me that this that took me 10 years to recover from that. Mm. From that person's um, words. Yeah. Well, and obviously, there were other things that you know, were on the table too. It wasn't just that one person oh, no, that knocked no. you down. It was something, there were other you know, things. Yeah, as you said, that. you felt out of place and, and a whole bunch of things came together for that to happen. And then you don't recover from it as quickly. I mean, if it's one slap in the face, that's one thing, but you know, when it's been like ongoing and you finally get yourself up to the pinnacle and somebody knocks you off the hill, then yeah, you got to climb back up yep. slowly. <laughs> One of the things I really love about the book is that this is 37 chapters. And when I went and looked at the table of contents, I was like, holy crap, 37 chapters. Wow. And then I started reading them 
And it's really awesome because the chapters are short, some of them, and I can quickly scan it and go, what do I need right now? You know, like one of the titles, uh, chapter nine is crank up the jams. And, you know, for me, that's something that works all the time. If I'm feeling just like all my energy is down and I'm stuck in a place and I just am not letting myself out of it, you know, that's when, you know, Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, that's when they come in, you know, and I think we're about the same age, so that might resonate. I don't know. Yeah, those are great songs. I, but, uh, the immigrant song is one of my favorite ones when I just uh, just, just crank that baby up and I just yell because yeah. it's, it's very therapeutic to just get that energy to come through you. So uh, I sometimes can ask you. Um, oh well, that's all right. It'll come back if it's important. Yeah. Kind of my it's thing. it's the physicality too. You know, music has so much power for us, but the physicality and getting that energy going—it's burning cortisol. Yeah. So it's helping us to recover and get rid of that stress. And so, you know, and (laughs) the titles of the chapters are really great, you know, and the metaphysics of chocolate, who cannot get behind that? Well, amen to that sister. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing about chocolate is that, all right. So I had, uh, I I came to Chicago six years ago uh, to establish an organization and I went total startup mode. Uh, really had to watch my pennies. I actually had some some things that are referred to in the in the book uh, where I was, uh, you know, I faced foreclosure twice mm-hmm. in five years, which is no picnic. But I started that. It's weird because I had the ability to. Um, I I did have a scarcity mindset for a, a bit for a spell, but then somewhere along the line, it just clicked where it. I was able to see how to live economically without penury. And I'm not sure how to do that. Um, it's something that just happens for me. It just was a, a switch that all of a sudden it, it opened for me. But from um, the chocolate specifically was um, a metaphorical and literal um, example of mm-hmm. how we so many times we allow fillers and wax and stuff into our empty calories into our life that's not serving us mm-hmm. and so uh and it's also sometimes kind of spendy so i'm buying you know yucky chocolate that might cost 10 times as much as a really good dollar 69 at trader joe's their 85 percent chocolate is sweet and it's awesome but it's very good for you it's very nutritiously dense it's delicious and it's a dollar 69 so when we start to really focus on um, what's really feeding us? Um, what's really benefiting us? Are we allowing empty calories or empty people or empty things into our life that are not truly feeding us? Is how expensive is that really? Yeah. Well, anyway, that's that's really a little snippet of that particular chapter. But yeah, the thirty-seven chapters can be pretty overwhelming. But this is not Moby Dick. This is not <laughs> uh, War and Peace. This is a a read. the The concept of the the, the chapters are um, really designed to teach you how to to show up for yourself every day for at least a month a little mm. bit over a month um because there's some chapters where i know that there's going to be people who will read one or two in a day mm-hmm. because they'll be oh this is pretty good and they might want to read on read forward or whatever read ahead but um it's also as you as you mentioned really designed to be picked up and referred to 
when you might need it because not every chapter is going to resonate with everybody. I know that everyone is going to read this and they're going to go, there might be a chapter where they, they said, oh yeah, I figured this one out already, Molly, thanks. But thanks mm -hmm. for confirming, maybe, maybe that'll be the value for that individual. Who knows? And it's always interesting because, um, well, two things. One, the way that I read books is pretty odd, um, <laughs> especially if they're print books rather than audiobooks or ebooks. I scan the chapters or I'll randomly open a book because it's really, there's this weird synchronicity that happens with books when you just randomly open them. The universe says, that's what you're supposed to know right now. And so I really appreciate that it's easy to do that with the book and to go, okay, you know, take a grass bath. What the hell does that mean? It makes me curious enough to open it and it either resonates with me or it doesn't. But there are a lot of things in there that today they'll resonate with me, tomorrow they might not. Um, and there's a lot of things that we know intrinsically that we might read it like you said and go, oh yeah, come on, Molly, I know that, but I'm not doing it. Well, yeah, and, and you know, to your point, uh, I really do believe in synchronicity and uh, paradox and uh, coincidence. And mm -hmm. there, are, there are many times when I will open a book and I'll see a quote just say, it'll be a neon, might as well, and I, and I just read it. And, I, and sometimes I might read it for the first time, even mm -hmm. if I've already seen it. Um, you know, with my advertising brain, uh, the industry standard is that most people need to see something between seven and nine times before they act on it. Mm -hmm. So if you're driving down the road and you see a billboard, you hear your radio, you whatever, and uh, by the time you get to the corner and you see the, the stop sign has a little sign for a hamburger station, you're like, oh, I am hungry. I think I'm going to get a burger instead of a taco or whatever it is because you've seen that subliminally. So mm -hmm. anyway, I'm kind of, but that's another reason that the book is, is the way that the book is, is, is that I know that everyone is super busy, um, myself included, and uh, we really don't have a lot of time uh, for things. And I, you know, I, my kids are all grown now, but I, I remember what it's like to have three little people and one in high school, one in grade school, one in, in, in elementary and living in my car. You know, I'm schlepping some kid to a, a dance class um, or I'm going to soccer or I'm trying to get to a, a, a meeting or work or a board meeting. And it just, I totally get that. Um, and so these chapters are designed to be 20 minutes, 20 mm -hmm. minutes, because everyone is worth at least 20 minutes. You've got to invest in yourself. And that's, it's just, it seems to work better when people just 20 minutes is a good number well that's i think why they teach us you know when you you start to meditate they're like okay start with 10 minutes work up to 20 minutes if you can do 20 minutes a day whether you do it throughout the day or you do it all at once you're it's making that commitment to yourself and you know going through this and picking out the individual things that are going to work for you today and just doing that one thing you start to change the way that you're you're working through your day right correct um how does meditation help by the way how do you feel about what's your position on meditation and yoga well so yoga is uh, actually included it's one of the chapters and uh and meditation is something that i also reference in the book um 
both in the forward and then throughout the book. It's um, meditation took me a long time because I have um, my youngest, my baby brother had uh, ADHD um, clinically diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually seen a doctor about it, but I'm pretty darn sure that I have the socially acceptable level of ADHD. I was able to work three jobs when I went to college and I just, you know, well, listen to me talk. I can't even. Um, and so for me, meditating was a discipline at first. It was yes. really difficult for me to shut my brain off or quiet so that I could expand it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's once that you can do it, I can tell now when my brain needs it. I can tell when my body needs to go drop into that meditation state because nothing else gets done. I can literally feel overwhelm in my, in my cells, in my brain, in my lack of focus. And that is a sign to me that I need to go find a place and be quiet. And mm-hmm. when, I was, when I was a single mom, I used to actually find hiding places at the, at the, um, the newspaper where I worked. I would literally go hide in either the newsroom or I would go hide in the server room where all the computer banks were. And I would just hide there for 20 minutes mm-hmm. so that sometimes it was the only space with three young kids where I had absolute quiet. Mm-hmm. And having that restorative space adds so much more torque to anything else that you do. So mm-hmm. um, I would strongly, strongly advise anyone to really work at um, establishing that ability to silence your mind because that's the space where you start to um, tap into the, the, two, the true strength of who you are. Mm. Mm. I totally agree. And I, I'll say that, you know, the first time I tried to learn to meditate, somebody said, all you have to do is stare at a candle. Oh my God, I thought my eyes were going to pop out of my head. And I, I tried really hard, really intensely. And I got that whole thing in my head about, oh, I have monkey mind. I can't stop it. And it's all bullshit. We really don't need to worry about it so much. Sit down and be quiet. That's all you have to do. And over time, your mind gets quieter and quieter. And it gets used to that. And as you said, then you get to those points where you're like, okay, I just need a minute. I just need to take a breath and I need a minute. Maybe I need 20 minutes, but well, you this is, oh, moderate that. Go ahead. Well, so to your point about understanding what your needs are and to be able to self-advocate um, in some ways, um, and this is not in the book, but it's something that if it would, if it's helpful to the people who are listening, um, by all means, I hope they can use it. But I mentioned that I was a single mom to uh, three kids who are five years apart. Um, my youngest is, my oldest turns 30 in August and my middle one turns 27 tomorrow or mm-hmm. no anyway. But my point is, is that there was a time where I was coming home from work and I immediately had Velcro children on my legs. And so what I did is I bought each one of them their own timer. We went to the diamond store and or target or whatever, and they got to pick out their own timer and that's, then they stayed by the door. And when I walked in, the girls were, taught to, not, I hate to say train, but the habit was to pick up their timer, set it for 15 minutes. And when that timer went off, then they could come find mom and we could talk about dinner or what happened at school or, you know, mm-hmm. my sister's pounding on my head, whatever, you know, brokering a piece. But if you give mom 15 minutes, you get hundred percent of mom. But if you try to Velcro mom, when she first walks in, 
you're not going to get her at full strength. Mm. And that one little teeny habit that we, that we built as the family was so helpful to everybody because what it did is it also helped my children learn to set their own boundaries, to mm. manage their own time to say, you know what? Yes, this is really important to me right now, but it's going to be there in 15 minutes and my mother will be there to hear me. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's really, it was a really great, once in a while, I'm sure that I've given my kids plenty of therapy, but that one I know I got right. That yeah. one I think was a pretty good one. Um, you know, and take your successes where you can get them, man. That's, that's another one on my lessons that I don't think is in the book, but it's mm -hmm. true. I think it is in the book. Celebrate your successes, man, because yeah. that's how you build on them. Well, that's how you get more of them. Yep. Yeah, for sure. That your story reminds me of a previous guest, Leah Weiss, and she talks about how she would come home from work and she had a little like a decorative flag outside the front door. And she trained herself to see that flag, take a breath and get centered before she went in the house. Yep. Because she knew that if she just walked in carrying the load that she had in the car on her way back from work, she would walk in and her family would deal with that. You yep. know, and I, I think those moments of peace are not such a big deal in the big scheme of things. And we all say, and you know, when I'm working with caregivers, they're always telling me, I don't have time. Oh, bull, you have time. It's how you use your time. Correct. You Correct. know? Correct. And, and the thing is, is that, is that uh, it sounds like the oxygen mask, I get it. It's almost trite and cliche and giving, pouring from an empty cup. But sometimes cliches are true because, or are mm -hmm. cliches because they're true. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, my, my grandmother uh, died from Lou Gehrig's disease. I know what it's like to have uh, a woman who went from the roly-poly stereotypical grandmother to 87 pounds. She died at 87 pounds. Oh. And it was devastating. And I was 13. And I know what it's like to have that, that chronic, it's not chronic stress, but it's like a chronic cloud in your home. When you have someone who's ill, especially someone who used to be this vibrant Irish whip smart person uh, who is incapacitated and her, whose body has betrayed her. It was terrible. Yeah. And so, um, but if you don't take those times to restore your soul, you're, you're going to, you're going to burn out. You're just not going to serve anybody's needs, especially yours. So yeah. that's my yeah. whole stump it's speech. Really it's really true. We can't, we can't take care of others until we take care of ourselves. And yeah, you're right. Cliches are there for a reason. Some of them are not so good, but mm -hmm. most of them have basis in truth. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to let everybody know where they can find the book, how they can find you. Um, I know the book is going to be launching soon and we're going to put a lot more on the website and the blog post when this goes live but why don't you tell people where they can find it how they can find you okay well thank you yeah it's really exciting to see something uh take shape i have to say um and that's something that um is in the book as well is is using and channeling and leveraging the power of your imagination is mm -hmm. to truly learn how to uh, visualize something and then just take the next step. Uh, you know, the book itself went from my brain to paper to publishing to, you know, there's steps involved. And so uh, we're, we're, we're closing up on the 
on the launch and it's really exciting, but it's, it's these, this dream is, is forming. Um, but to your question, uh, I have a, the website is mollycantrellcraig.co. So um, it's my entire name, no spaces, uh, M-O-L-L-Y-C-A-N-T-R-E-L-L-K-R-A-I-G dot co. And um, the book is actually, you can purchase it from the website. You can download it as a, as a hardback or a paperback or an ebook. Um, I'm working on the audio version. That's going to take me probably a couple few months to get that together because you got to do studio time and whatnot. But eventually, I've had some people say I would prefer an audio book because they're um, commuters or for whatever reason, they prefer audio. Count and me in so on that list. But that will go on to the, what's that? Count me in on that list. I yeah. love audio books. Yeah. And, and there's been a couple of people who say, I want to hear the, I want to hear it in your voice. I yes. would love to hear the author's perspective and, and her voice or his voice. So um, the website is where that will eventually be uploaded. But right now it's also available on, on Amazon. So Great. lots of ways to find me. Cool. Well, I will add links and we're going to be launching this podcast very close to launch. So, uh, you know, get over there and get the book. Is it on pre-order? It's a, yeah, there are some people we've got it on pre-order um, just so that people can kind of kick the tires, make sure that everything's working. And, and I've had a few people uh, come back to me who read it and said, oh my gosh, it hooked me right away. It drew me right in, which is very flattering. You know, I, I, I absolutely am very um, honored that people are willing to part with their cash to read what's in my head. It's, it's humbling and I don't take it for granted. It's, it's, it's a blessing. So always grateful. Uh, I will definitely add my voice to that too, because um, I read the book before I asked you to be on the show and I'm really glad I did. Cause I think that there's so much that aligns with the things that I think too, about how we can live our lives a little bit better, how we can build that resiliency and a little bit of self-awareness could help us all a lot. Yeah. So thank you so much, Molly. Oh my gosh. Thank you very much, Jana. I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. So thank you again. <laughs> You're welcome.